This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Tuesday, it's the 20th of February 2024. We're about to go on tour as we take Double Tap to Vienna. And we're going to learn all today about AxCon, the conference. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yeah, Double Tap on tour. Hide everything. <laughs> <laughs> including fried chicken, because we're coming. Uh, <laughs> Hide the chicken. Hide <laughs> the chicken. There, we need that on a T-shirt. Hello, Stephen. Are you excited? I am. I am excited. I'm looking forward to the trip. It'll be nice to catch up with you in person. That's always pleasant. Uh, well, it is. Sometimes. It's nice. Oh, thanks very much. Right, well, you know, forget it. Okay. Just whatever. Well, I've soured that experience already. I'm looking forward to this trip. <laughs> That's, I was going to say, looking forward to that five-hour flight. Uh, I hope you've got hope you've got some power in those earbuds. You um, know what? I'm I'm actually looking forward to it in the sense that I'm not even worried about the travel here at all. No, I've just I no. I, you know what? Just just give yourself over to the assistance. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> just hand I, over. Basically, I am a parcel, right? And you know what? Once you get to that stage, I, there's no worry. There's no worry at all. So I'm actually relaxed and worry-free for this travel. Do you know something? It is so funny you say that because I have, for some reason, got an anxiety about just going over the front door, right? It seems to have been in the last... I mean, it's been for a while, and I know the pandemic had a big part to play in this for, for a lot of us, but... Mm. Sometimes just going out the front door to go to the shop, it, not not the actual going out. The going out part, once you're out, it's actually quite pleasant. It's getting out. Yeah. That's the problem. It's getting ready, organised, thinking of all the things you've got to do. It feels like just I've lost that part of me, which could just get up and go. Everything feels like it's such a, you, you get so much going on in your mind and it, it, it's, it's all nonsense. But in your mind, you're just like, right, all these things I need to remember. And then you start thinking about the trip. And then you start thinking about where you're going. And then you think, is it raining? And then you think how you're going to get there. And what about the buses? What about the transport? What about this? What about that? Forget it. And I'll, then the I'll weird thing down. is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forget it. And they're just canceling and don't go. Yet, going to Vienna, no problem. And I don't get it. I don't get why that's perfectly normal and okay for me. I think it's, it's like you say, there's assistance all the way. Yeah. So it feels like you can just kind of give yourself over and you put, and you know, there's, some, there's something really quite nice. Some people don't like it, but I don't mind it when, when, the, when you're sitting there in the airport or train station or wherever it might be. And uh, you hear uh, someone, you know, walk up to you and they say, oh, hello, can we help you? And you say, yes, I'm here for the, the flight to whatever, Vienna. And uh, they radio someone and they go, <clears throat> we've got a VIP here. Oh, and I'm yes. like, that's me. That's correct. I'm a VIP. Hello, everyone. I'm VIP. Don't, don't worry what it actually means. It just means I'm very special and important. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Very, very impaired and important. Um, but no, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good fun. Uh, also, we're going to have uh, the one and only. He'll be with us as well. Marco Flalo is going to be with us uh, because we're doing Access Tech Live out there as well this week. And uh, Grace Scofield of Double Tap News fame. And, you know, she's done a lot of other things in her yes, career. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Not just, not just Double Tap News. The amazing Grace. That's going to be so cool. The gang yeah. is all going to be there. Gang on tour. So we're looking forward to that. So we're bringing you shows from Vienna tomorrow and through the week as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. Today on the show, that we're going to meet the director of uh, 
the whole conference, frankly, uh, the Zero Project Conference. Michael Fenbeck is here to tell us what is coming up this year. But it's not the only conference in town. Well, it is uh, in the one in that town in particular, <laughs> but <laughs> there is another conference happening around the world, which is AxCon. And it's all focused on uh, the subject of web accessibility. Going to hear today from Ryan Bateman. He's behind that from DQ Systems, uh, who are also in the news this week. We're going to touch on that topic through the week. But uh, yeah, very, very interesting. So AxCon coming up and all of that. But uh, do you know what? Before we get into all that, you know, let's let's, emails. let's do this. We get emails. We do. We get your email Every day. Here's your mail today. Ugh. Binky, bonky, binky, bonky. Can we do this in Vienna? Do you think we can just sit there Absolutely in the middle of the UN not. and go, binky, bonky, binky, bonky, binky? Do you think we'll get taken away? Or yes, what? yes, I do. Thrown out? Apparently, they've got very big security guards there that I'm slightly worried about. Can I just say, uh, I, I want to just go back to last year for a second because, of course, over the weekend, you will have heard our uh, episode revisiting the Zero Project Conference and we, you know, focused on the big conversations. The, the real story, though, the real takeaway from last year's event wasn't really that. I mean, of all the great stories we, we and the great people we spoke to, the thing that sticks out in my mind most of all mm. was when the one and only Mr. F almost had his laptop blown up. Yes. Um, who'd have thought that he would be the problem? That was my favourite moment. Yeah. <laughs> we missed a whole technology event because he thought he'd lost his laptop turned out he didn't lose his laptop. Uh, it turned out that where they had left the laptop, because you could leave your stuff at the UN, you didn't have to, because you have to go through so much security. So sometimes it's easier just to leave your stuff there. But the problem was they either they had moved it or they'd put it somewhere where it shouldn't have been. And they have all these teams that come through at different parts of the day. Someone didn't know what it was and it was taken away and they thought it had been blown up. It's just suspicious. Yes, of course. Dispose of that suspicious package that is Mr. F's. Yeah. I mean, he looks suspicious enough anyway, right? The size of a mountain. But um, <laughs> yes, of course, that's the story we really wanted to uh, record and, and tell. <laughs> the story of Mr. F's bag. Um, so let's, uh, what I'm wondering is what will be blown up this year? That is my big question. So, you know, we'll find out at the end of the week yes. uh, which piece of equipment we lose out or doesn't. Um, <laughs> How many people we can back with? All of that, you know. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll count, we'll count them in, count them out, and we'll see what happens by the end of it. Uh, what goes on tour and definitely does not stay on tour on Double Tap. I promise you that. Uh, so anyway, yes, uh, we'll get into all that. But let's get into some emails. Uh, Frank got in touch. I have just finished listening to the first edition of Double Tap YouTube. All I can say is wow. The session on sim specs was interesting. As a legally blind person, I found that when I had them on, my own sight problem affected what the specs were supposed to do but I have watched sighted people use them on a training course and most of them found it very interesting and in some cases very upsetting. As a speaker for guide dogs, I tell the classes what my guide dog does for me and what it would be like if I did not have one. If talking to adults, I explain that I am a volunteer and rely on my mobile phone as a diary and as a method of sending emails to the organisers of the talks. If possible, I ask anyone who has an iPhone to enable TalkBack and ask them to try and send an email without using the screen. I find that this hands-on method is useful and gives people more idea of what a blind person can do if they have the right equipment. I've just used Be My Eyes today for the first time. I asked the sighted volunteer to read my heating control for me. The only thing I found was that once connected, I had no volume. I soon put this right. What did I do wrong? Regards, Frank. I don't know. Is a short answer? I don't know either. Um, I, you know what? I have found this. If I uh, start a eye recall that it does seem to go down to very, very low volume. 
And the first thing I always do is three finger double tap to turn off um, voiceover and also turn the volume right up. So um, I think that's something to do with initiating the call itself. Sometimes the volume, because I find it on phone calls as well, when there's a phone menu and you, you know, press one for hoo-ha. Yeah. And it's like, I can't hear anything. It's on speakerphone, but I got to turn the volume right up because the volume goes down. So I think that may be a system uh, thing that's happening there. But uh, yes, yeah. it's something to be aware of. And it's hard to change the volumes. That's one thing that Google has going for it in a big way with Android is you can customize individual volume levels of like say accessibility the main system sounds you can actually dig into that and actually really sort of customize it to suit you i feel with the iphone i'm always playing the game of volume up volume down volume up volume down and trying to catch the moment when you know voiceover speaking versus a call yeah of course that thing where you're trying to get the volume rocker almost in the right place because it's all happening you've only got one option with volume and you have to be on the right setting for it to be enabled. Sometimes, like you're controlling voiceover versus the other system audio versus playback. call audio. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there and is. You can add um, voiceover volume to your rotor. I believe it's something I haven't done, but you could have it as a separate mm. swipe up, swipe yeah. down control in the rotor. So that may be an option too. Uh, glad you uh, enjoyed our YouTube uh, comments on the simulating. Uh, site essentially is what we were talking about on that episode um thanks for that frank yeah it's a it's a bit of a thorny topic for me as you you probably understood from the episode i just i i just don't know what i think about it but i loved the way that when james rath sat down with justine the, uh, the youtuber i justine as she's known um you know him showing her using the sim glasses how to navigate a smartphone and then her being able to do things with it and of course she's incredibly technical so she's probably dabbled with voiceover before anyway and she'll have a instant yes. kind of understanding of how this thing works more than maybe most might but even so you know she she was able to see the potential she was able to see how she could get things done and i think it was a really it at least came across to me as a very positive conversation and that's why i felt it was a better way to do it than just showing because what what i feel happens is that everyone's often sent off to make a cup of tea and Inevitably, they do it two ways. What they will do is they'll ask someone to pour a cup out and, you know, try and judge pouring out the cup. And inevitably, everyone soaks the place. The cup overflows. And then they do it again, but they use the liquid level indicator. Yes. And they say, see, now this is how a blind person does it. Now, you'd think that would be a positive outcome. But I think the first experience is the one that sticks. How, how are you going to, you know, what if, what if that thing isn't there? What that was an awful that experience. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's I, just a terrible experience. As Frank said there, you know, he's seen people get upset after using SIM specs. And that was the point you were making, is mm. that this could be a negative experience, that blindness is such a, you know, a, a negative thing that makes it difficult to do anything. It's a fine line to walk, that between... There are stats on this. There are stats oh. on this, stats this, that do say that there's, I can't remember the exact number, but it was a very high percentage, like 80s, 90% of response rate was it generally, it was seen as negative, a negative experience by the people who did it. They, they felt negative feelings about sight loss. And yeah, I sort of understand that. Yeah. It's, it's how, but, what, 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 what? What good is that for to make people experience that? What is the purpose of putting someone through that? Hey, this is the experience of someone with sight loss. Okay, but why are you showing that person that? And what are you trying to get them to to 
gain from that experience? I'm not sure. Well, that's, I think that's the second part that's missing, or it's not done as, as well as it could be. I think the first part is, okay, experiencing the vision. So you experience glaucoma or macular degeneration or, or retinitis pigmentosa, whatever the condition might be, you will experience it through those glasses. And the, the newer glasses, the almost VR-type headsets, are able to show progression, they're able to show it in different ways, so they can really get more detail out of it and actually a more realistic experience of what it might be like. And of course, we can never really tell from our point of view if it's right or not, because we not. can't see it to tell. No. Um, but, you know, assuming, and of course, this is all medically checked. So, you know, you would go with the idea that this is something that they, they, they know. They're not just making this up. But I think that the problem is the second part. The second part is what someone does with that. You know, you don't lose your sight and then just sit in a chair for the rest of your life. And I think that's the problem. That's, mm. the, there's that kind of, that's how it's portrayed. You know, sit down, now experience this, this vision problem. And... That's it. Whereas if you actually get people to do something, to say, here's something you might not be able to do, but here's and show how to do it, rather than focus on the negative first, actually show them something positive. And you know the best way to do this, and I said this on the video as well, get blind people in the room. Yeah. Why, why is it? It's always sighted people that present this stuff. Why is that? Why is it not visually impaired or blind people who are presenting? Because I guarantee you, that alone will change the attitude of the people in the room. Because yeah, first off, true. they see someone who's in a functional, you know, a functional person in a job delivering training. You know, things that they might not even think are possible. And yeah. I know that and it's funny because when you, when you speak to people, and, and I understand where it comes from, but when you speak to people who work adjacent to blind people, sighted people, I've had this in charity for a long time, they'll often say, I can't believe people would think like that. But they absolutely do. They mm -hmm. absolutely do think, you know, the idea of someone having a job who's blind, that just blows people's minds. Because the majority of people out there never come into contact with a blind person, ever. No. It's true. So, hey, you know, but it's an interesting topic. It is, yes. Check it out on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, there's even more of this on there. Um, okay, uh, let's go to Darren. He's uh, got some updates. He's been telling us about the BT Speak. I know he's quite interested in this or the Orbit Speak, but he's got some details on the BT Speak. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. Just a message to say that I have been looking on the internet to see if I could find anything else about the BT Speak from Blazy. And I managed to find something out from their website. Um, it looks like it's going to have, there's going to be two versions, the BT Speak and BT Speak Pro. Um, as far as I can understand it, the, both the BT Speak and BT Speak Pro are going to have HDMI and USB-C, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, SD card. Um, no other specs are really given, as far as I could see. The BT Speak Pro is going to have the addition of microphone as well. It was also mentioned that the BT Speak Pro is going to be uh, able to be to accept voice commands as well. Um, things are still a bit sketchy, but they're going to have the usual suite of apps. I think the BT Speak Pro is going to have a more full-blooded web browsing facilities. Uh, amongst other things like music player, and I think there may well be access to things like Spotify and that as well, but things are still a bit vague at the moment. 
it looks like the BT Speak Pro is going to run an Orca screen reader, and they're both going to have deck talk speech, apparently. Now, this is interesting. I believe the Orca screen reader is a Linux-based product, so I think the BT Speak is going to be Linux-based, and also the Pro and the standard versions are just going to be the same hardware, just different software. Now, what is also interesting is whether Deck Talk have improved since I last heard it in the 80s and 90s. I don't know, um, but I suppose I would rather that than eloquence, personally. I know some people disagree with that. Yes. But that's my personal opinion. <laughs> uh, I think the Pro is about $1,090-odd, and the standard is about seven to $800 or thereabouts. What it will eventually be in the UK, I don't know, and who's going to be supplying it again, I don't know yet. Until next time, I don't know any more information at this stage. This is Darren saying bye for now, and thank you. Bye. Darren, thank you for your research into that. That is really interesting. really appreciate you taking the time to to delve into all that for us. Uh, it's a product which I don't think I'll be buying, but I tot- I, I, only because I don't need it. I think my Mantis is going to serve my needs for, for now, but... I uh, I do think it's a really interesting product. And if you do get one, let us know how you get on. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And if there's any products you're using, any of you out there are using that you want to tell us about, because uh, I can't buy everything, then you well, can tell us about it. Well, I'll buy some try. of them, but not. And I try and get companies to send me things. Um, the one thing I'm trying to get hold of at the moment is the six-dot Braille make labeler I was telling you about. Oh, yeah. Um, I looked at the price. It's over £1,000 in the UK. That's a lot of labels you would need. To justify I can't that outlay, justify that money for that. I mean, that just—I mean, a, a Dymo label is what a hundred quid. Yeah, so it's about ten yeah. times the price of that. It's just really hard to. And I get it. I get that it's a, you know, again we go back to this point. It's a specialist device and all that. But I, I often, again, you know, like I said the other day on the show, I think these companies have got to market beyond what they think are the reach. You know, it's not just for education or it's not just for a workplace. I mean, lots of people might want to buy this, and the more more cost-effective it is for us, then we might consider it, you know? I mean, this is exactly what Darren's point about this is. You know, yes. the price is expensive. Of course it is. All this equipment is expensive. But it's a lot cheaper for him. It's going to be cheaper to get something like the BT Speak versus shelling out for a Mantis or, or a Brilliant or whatever it might be, yeah. which are, you know, got, considerably more, 3000 4000 I've got to say, I'm, get, pounds. I'm getting a sense of deja vu here. I think... Um, Darren is definitely going to get one of these because mm. like when you, just before you ordered your Mantis, there was a lot of, I'm just looking this up and I'm just going to get some specs. <laughs> and Oh, did, did you see they've got this divide by 12 uh, installment plan? And, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, I know what's coming next. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You knew it was coming. You did. Um, Darren, thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Keep your uh, thoughts coming on that uh, as you get them. Um, we're going to move on to AxCon because AxCon's taking place this week as well as Zero Project Conference. AxCon is happening. Uh, now, we spoke to Ryan Bateman over on Access Tech Live a couple of weeks back to find out the very latest. If you missed that, don't worry. You can catch up with that conversation right now with me and Mark Flalo talking to Ryan about the conference this year. I've been uh, at DQ for about six years, and uh, in my time um, in the digital accessibility space here, I was just observing that uh, there is this fantastic and passionate community, right, that is trying to uh, help make the web 
more digitally equitable. And there were pockets of physical meetups all around the world, uh, across the U.S. There are some fantastic assistive technology shows that are out there where a lot of great magic happens. Um, but there really wasn't a big centralized uh, conference that is especially free and virtual that invites folks from around the world to focus explicitly on digital accessibility and digital accessibility testing, right? So designing digital accessible experiences, developing them, reinforcing them, the people and process and culture that it takes, right? For all of us to make sure that we're building accessible experiences together. And that's across the board, right? I mean, we're talking here about all disabilities, all people, and making the web, making apps, making games, making everything accessible, right? You got it. If it's digital, it, it should be accessible, right? And and that's for everybody. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the way that we have the, the conference set up today in these different tracks is really meant to help people wherever they are in their digital accessibility journey, whether they're just getting started out um, and trying to make their company's website or mobile apps or video games or uh, digital documentation. They're just trying to make it um, the, the, you know, the, the bare minimum uh, amount of accessible, or they're really trying to innovate, right? And push the envelope uh, with, with the latest trends uh, with regard to making sure that uh, that app is as usable and friendly to everyone as, as humanly possible, right? Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of what the conference is about and who to it for. Anyone can come in. Um, it's, you know, really the, the one thing that every AxCon attendee has in common is that they are an advocate and a champion for change and they're trying to do more. And that's what we try to offer in, in, in the talks uh, for, for folks that attend. Brian, what kind of programming, like what kind of specific topics do you have coming up this year? And what are some of the, the companies that get involved every year? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we've got three stellar keynotes uh, that are lined up. Uh, Ramon Chaudhry, uh, Jonah uh, Berger, and uh, Squirmy and Grubs. Uh, I'm not sure if, if you are familiar with them uh, uh, from YouTube. Uh, check them out if you haven't. Um, but the, the, the theme that we try to reinforce with the keynotes, right, um, is, is generally pretty high level, right? We wanna make sure that people feel empowered, impassioned, and give them some lessons for affecting change, right? Um, so uh, Ruman Chaudhry um, is a responsible AI fellow, uh, Harvard University co-founder co and CEO of, of a nonprofit human intelligence. Um, she's the, the former director of AI ethics at Twitter. And uh, we all know uh, about, uh, well, everyone knows you can't avoid AI anymore and, and, and it is a, a, a potential topic. Um, she's going to be bringing some really great color surrounding the use of ethical AI, right? Um, at, which is important everywhere, but certainly important in digital accessibility. Um, there's a lot of changes that have been happening in the last few years uh, with uh, different approaches people are trying to take to make their sites and apps uh, as accessible as they can. And some may rely on what, what some would argue are less ethical uses of AI and others more so. So um, how does the average Joe identify, right? Uh, what is ethical? What is unethical? What will help me 
make my digital content more accessible without sacrificing and, and hurting others, right? Uh, when you're painting a broad brush with AI and automation, it's really easy to do that. So um, Ramon is going to be fantastic. Um, Jonah comes to us. He's a he's an um, international best-selling author and professor of the Wharton School of, of uh, Marketing. And um, we brought Jonah in uh, a lot of, uh, for the same reason that we brought in, uh, if you're familiar with Seth Godin uh, last year, who are these fantastic marketing visionaries. What does marketing have to do with digital accessibility? Well, it's it's really about how do I uh, uh, use my powers of persuasion within my organization to affect change, right? Yeah. Digital accessibility is a lot. It can be a lot to take on and you have to get a lot of recruitment and culture change. And so um, really that that's kind of the idea, right? We're trying to go for these visionaries that are gonna help these champions and advocates make change happen and do more. One of my fears, and I think a lot of people uh, who are disabled fear that with this rush to AI, there's a sense of either the AI can solve all of our problems with accessibility, or we just gloss over the problems of the past with accessibility, and we just move on and we say, okay, well, let's focus on this. There are still many gaps at the moment. For example, I can go to some websites and just have difficulty checking out. I can add something to a basket, I get to a checkout, I just can't get any further, and I have to get cited help for that, which is, is useless. I want to do it myself. So I guess what I'm asking you is, is it is that addressed at your conference? Is this something else that you focus on to say, let's make sure we fix the problems of the past before we try and reinvent the future? You're absolutely spot on. That's a that's a core message that I think if you if you throw a dart at the agenda and go to any one talk, that should be clear to you, right? Now there is a there is a, a fine balance, right? Um, if you, for example, uh, only approach digital accessibility from what we'll call a manual testing perspective, right? Where uh, you use a subject matter expert to test every piece of content, every piece of code manually that is in production, right? That is a big, expensive, and slow way to practice, practice digital accessibility. And you'll get a lot of pushback from other stakeholders and, and leadership within a business when you do it that way. So you do have to think about what can I intelligently and carefully automate and balance with that need for uh, for manual testing. And so it is, it's absolutely this balancing act um, that I think every single speaker at AxCon understands. Um, not every single uh, attendee understands that, right? So um, yeah, it's absolutely something that we want people walking away with. Right, you can't fear automation and AI because if you do and you fight it and you avoid it, uh, there are, there are others who will embrace it and will start to change the culture and start to you know uh, build this idea that it's that it's acceptable and and it's not right. It's it's entirely about building a better experience at its core and a one-off project and a band-aid, right? To make some lawsuit go away is, is a, it, that will fail, right? It well, you're, fail you're kind of alluding, time. you're kind of alluding there to, to a question I want to ask you about, which is accessible overlays. This is something that comes up time and time again. We're hearing more and more about these. Uh, the disability yeah. community seems to be very keen to push back on them. What's, what's your take? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I'm, I have, I have an inherent bias take, right? Because I, um, I work at a company, uh, that, uh, encounters, uh, selling against overlays. Right. Um, and, and when I say overlays, I think, uh, my definition of that is, is the widget, right. That you'll see, uh, floating on a site that offers in many cases, a different and separate experience right? When you're encountering a website. So if you're encountering a website through an overlay uh, or a widget, uh, it's not the same native experience that everyone else is, is getting, which um, I think is, is fundamentally a problem and at odds with the, the whole idea of digital equality. Um, and then uh, there's also the issue of, uh, you know, especially if you, you might be able to help um, um, uh, comment on this, but are, are you taking away choice of, of the individual user and how they want to consume that material, right? Uh, when, when I get to go to a website, I can use whatever browser I want, whether, whatever technologies I want, I'm empowered to decide how to consume that information because I'm not a screen reader user and I'm not reliant on that, that widget or that thing, right? So when you make that, uh, when you make the, the code, accessible, right? There's a reason I'm wearing this shirt, right? When you make that the the code accessible, the core experience accessible, right? You you are approaching it from a true digital equality standpoint and making it available uh, in the way that it should be for everyone. What's the website address? Sure, it's it's uh, dq.com slash axe hyphen con. That's d-e-q-u-e dot com slash axe hyphen c-o-n. That was Ryan Bateman there talking to me and Marcus Lalo over on Access Tech Live. You can watch that full conversation on our website right now, doubletaponair.com. Catch up with the very latest on what is coming up this year at AxCon. And of course, check out Access Tech Live as well. We'll be live two episodes this week. We're bringing you from Vienna, Wednesday and Thursday from 12 noon Eastern. Also broadcasting on AMI Audio as well, which means we are shifting to 1 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, on the show on AMI Audio, but of course, as usual time on the podcast. Now, if you can't keep up with all of that, don't worry, because I struggle too as well. Uh, (laughs) Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the Zero Project Conference with Michael Fenbeck, the director. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. And keep that feedback coming through the week. We will still be reading your emails as we carry on through uh, our coverage of Zero Project Conference. The event, of course, gets underway today. Michael Fenbeck is the director of uh, the Zero Project Conference and joins me now to tell me all about it. Uh, Michael, it is great to have you back on Double Tap with us for another year of Zero Project. Yeah, very good uh, to, to be here again, yeah, and looking forward to this conversation. So let's start at the beginning, because, of course, many people will be learning about Zero Project, perhaps for the very first time. Explain what Zero Project is and how the conference is part of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, of course, yeah. So the Zero Project is uh, around in its current form for maybe some 10 or 11 years, um, and it's uh, a global networking project uh, that um, discovers 
finds, uh, explores, and then communicates innovations uh, that support uh, the lives and the rights of people with disabilities. We created our own um, process for that, uh, that is, is mentioned around for some uh, 10 or 11 years. In the beginning, of course, there was a little trial and error, but basically what we do, we do since uh, 2012 or 13. Um, and it's, a, it's an annual process where in the first half of this year, we are uh, using a nomination process to find out which innovations are in the eyes of the community that we work with uh, most innovative, uh, most uh, impactful, and most scalable. Uh, so it's a nomination process followed up by a multi-step uh, selection process, always working with the communities of experts with and without disabilities. And in the second half, returning to more a communicator and, and mainly also a conference organizer. Uh, so putting these 75 nominations, which we usually have at the end of this process, in the middle of a, of a global conference uh, is then the, the job of us, of the team of the Zero Project for the second half of the year. Um, and uh, this conference takes part, uh, take, happens every year uh, in the United Nations offices uh, in uh, Vienna, uh, and we bring here together uh, this year, since we're two weeks before the conference, we know that number roughly, maybe for the first time, more than 1,000 participants from almost 100 countries all coming together to showcase or discuss innovations uh, that support, uh, as mentioned, the lives and rights of people with disabilities, cross-sectoral, uh, all types of disabilities, of course, covered and all in the spirit of the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. And, you know, I think what sets this conference apart and having the joy of being there last year, Michael, was, you know, to learn about the international nature of this, because there are so many organizations or people we hear from, from countries like the US, from Canada, from Australia, perhaps the UK. But, you know, it's really nice to have a chance to shine a spotlight on some really interesting and emerging services coming out of countries that people might not expect those kind of services to come from. Yeah, you're completely right, Stephen. And uh, we put, of course, a special emphasis on, on, on what you just said. Um, so um, I, I'm just showcasing some examples of what you just mentioned. We, we're building strong partnerships, for example, with India. Uh, India is, of course, in this current uh, geopolitical situation, interesting per se, but also from the perspective of, uh, of innovations. Uh, as we all know, India is a, is a tech country. On the other hand, it's, it still has one of the poorest populations uh, that exist on Earth. So what this uh, highly developed uh, country and the innovators and, and uh, tech investors, uh, what is there, and this is really highly developed, what they develop, they develop for their own country. Um, and uh, if this works in a rural neighborhood in in, in India, then it also works in other rural neighborhoods in the world, which is not true if you look at the US or Austria. No? If something works in Austria, even if it's a rural neighborhood, is most probably not going to work in Uganda. No? Whereas if it works in India, it will work in Uganda. So this is seeing and, 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 and um, um, describing ourselves and also defining ourselves as a, as a global project. This is most important. So India, for example, is, is a good example and is a um, is, is is outstanding also with uh, with the numbers of particip participants this year uh, and there are other countries as well but our current focus is uh, is India and we also developing strong relationships uh, also coming uh, to a Zero Project India conference which which happened already for the first time uh, in in September. 
Now, you and I spoke around this time last year, and I was talking to you about the fact that one of the, the benefits here, you know, from my understanding of what I knew about the conference, what I'd read about it, was that, you know, it, it gave people a chance to meet, get together, and share ideas. And I, I saw that in action at Zero Project last year, and it was just incredible because, you know, there are examples, like you've said, where one thing may work somewhere but may not work somewhere else, but it's it's putting out almost the seeds of ideas giving people ideas or people who are already trying something, the chance to meet someone else who's done it. It must be such a rewarding thing for you to see when everyone comes together and shares these these thoughts and ideas. Yeah, actually it is, yeah. So um, uh, I'm, um, I'm always amazed and um, I'm mentioning this to our team as well. So I, I tell them sometimes, look at what we're actually doing. No? Uh, so we are some of 10 people sitting in an office in Vienna, uh, almost all the time typing something into keyboards, uh, having conversations, speaking into microphones and, and seeing people on screens. And in the end, after doing this for weeks and months, we make people really leave their home, leave their office, board planes coming from places like Australia and, uh, and Latin America and, and, and Asia and South Africa to Vienna. So all this happens because of our, of our work, uh, and it, and, and, and one, moment, meaning three days uh, in, in time, they all meet in, in, in Vienna and they're doing this in increasing numbers. So obviously we're, we're creating a really good impact for people who, who come to join us in these uh, three days uh, in Vienna. Uh, Talking about impact, I don't know if you, if you want to dive into this, but what actually we do with two people and with people and four people, it's, it's not easy to understand that, but we try always to understand what actually what the impact is and, and try to, yeah, uh, work to um, to do more in, on, on this regard but it's it's like you said it's from exchanging ideas uh to making really practical corporations to learn from each other to inspire each other this uh also getting media attention so there's a lot of um lot of uh impact involved in in what we're doing and and that is i guess the next step isn't it because what happens when people leave vienna because obviously the people who really want to connect with each other will do so do you take any part in that? Do you do you follow up and, and sort of check what progress has been made? Yeah, actually we do, uh, but we do not enough. Uh, so uh, we, we, we are uh, talking about this internally now. Um, so, of course, things happen. We track things. We do, as almost any conference organizer does, we do surveys of, of, of participants and ask them what they liked and did not like and what they took home and what they did not. Uh, and we get some feedback and there are some uh, feedback loops that we're using, but actually we do think we don't do enough. Uh, and uh, there is not one thing that's really interesting, uh, uh, common knowledge, it's artificial intelligence. So what we do for almost 10 years now, we record everything that happens in, in Vienna. We have all the presentations, we have all the research on these innovations, and we want to use this in the future more also to um, give people the opportunity to stay connected with the right people, because this is, if you look at it, of course, a challenge for everyone coming to such a large conference, finding the right people, having a meaningful conversation and, and being able to continue that. And with these new technologies, there are opportunities there that we're currently exploring how to use all of this to, uh, yeah, to make, to st make people staying connected. And this is, I think, definitely one of the biggest impacts that we could have, uh, in the future. I cannot tell you a lot more on this because it simply exploring this, but we know there's this, opportunity here now with uh, AI coming up. Oh, I mean, j j just simply summarizing a conversation, you know, so you, you imagine that, as you're saying, on a, a larger scale, 
the potential is huge. You know, there's so much knowledge in that room, so much knowledge being shared in the conference and and by people who are there to be able to bring that together and make it almost searchable. That's, that's an incredible idea. Um, you know, our role throughout the week is to speak to incredible people. And every, you know, every conversation I had last year was incredible. Every single one. I, I had to try and limit myself to the amount of time I was spending with people because I could have talked to people all day, but I had to speak to someone else and, and someone else and someone else. So, you know, I, I feel that it's, it's a really interesting time. We're going to have some really interesting conversations. From our perspective, it's about technology. And in the recent years, technology became a major component of the the awardees uh, and the nominees that you were, were fixating on because, of course, technology has grown, access to technology is growing, but technology solutions for disabled people is also growing all the time. Um, yeah, agreed. Um, so um, we uh, started uh, off with uh, having four topics defined, which together with our community, we defined as the most crucial ones, which is uh, employment, education, accessibility, and uh, the fourth one, independent living slash political participation with the fourth one covering mostly all the other articles of the of the convention, but and this is where this relates to what you just said. We realized that that technology ICT based solutions are somehow the fifth one, and uh, but not the fifth in the line, but one that uh, is the biggest game changer in all of them. So we we for three years now we we having uh, ICT based solutions covered whatever they do, if they're related to education or employment or any other topic, we we covered them in their research uh, every year. Uh, and it's it's definitely the biggest game changer. As we all, I think nobody will disagree. Where there's some disagreement, that this is also an interesting conversation happening in Vienna, is um, how much can you, let's say, leave technology alone to create this change by itself, or has it always to be embedded in participatory processes? Uh, it's I think the jury is out. I think there's a reason to believe that good things happen more or less by itself. If you add something to your smartphone, it's simply there, and you don't need a participation process. On the other hand. Many things go definitely wrong with, uh, with with using IT and the digital the gaps not always close. When a new technology is introduced, some widen and uh, especially artificial intelligence has, I think, a, a, an enormous potential to go both ways. Um, so we, summarizing, uh, we think it's, and we are almost 100% convinced, it's the, it's, it's the, the, the biggest game changer uh, and it will continue to be so in these next years. But you really have to be careful and you really have to include and work with people with disabilities right from the beginning, how they designed, how to put the usage and how to develop them. That's the that's the mantra of the disability community, isn't it? Nothing about us without us. And you know, that's so key to to the development of all these new tools. You've got to have disabled people in the room. And I, I guess that's another opportunity the Zero Project Conference has is to instill that and embed that in, in, you know in the minds of people who are in some cases, very well-meaning people who are out there to create a tool that can make a difference to a disabled person. But if you don't include disabled people, how's that going to work? And what if the tool is just meaningless in reality because of something you've overlooked because you wouldn't consider it? So yeah, that's a really interesting point and I think a really important part of all this. So you've got obviously a lot of people there, sessions going on throughout the week, and of course, keynote speakers as well. Can you tell us uh, some of the highlights of, of what's coming up? Yeah, there's a, a, a lot of, of highlights in that, but of, of, of new developments, I would like to focus less on, 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 on name dropping, but on, on giving some new great content that we're, that we're adding. Uh, so, um, 
for example, we have um, uh, a form only for uh, accessible Europe, which is maybe on the le legislation side the biggest thing currently happening in the European Union. So there is a, a, a EU-wide um, um, new law that has to be implemented this year in, in all uh, national legislations that pushes for uh, public procurement, especially when it comes to IT, uh, to make this fully accessible. So this is one thing that, that will be uh, big with us. There's an, uh, another thing is, is called Technology Forum. So we will have a, a kind of, we call this more, um, uh, B2B is the wrong word in this uh, in our conference, but uh, we, we selected 20 outstanding technologies that we think uh, have a high potential when brought together uh, with, with, um, with international uh, high-level decision makers and we bring them together uh, in, 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 a, in a half a day uh, we have revamped, um, uh, also following up on the question, question of what happens next, uh, what we formerly called impact transfer into a, uh, a transnational program called now Scaling Solutions, where we identify 12 innovations that are, uh, from our experts' point of view, seem to be most scalable from country A to country B. And this is now supported by uh, our old peers from Fundación Descubrimen Chile, but now also from the German GIZ and from Atos the consultancy, and we are bringing in Enable India uh, from India, uh, and as mentioned already, there are this regional focus um, that we are that we are having. So uh, there will be uh, an India forum, there will be a Japanese forum. Um, um, so it's uh, there's an Africa related uh, block of sessions. Uh, so there's these are maybe some of the of the of the culture related highlights that I would like to point out. And looking outside of the conference itself, because I've been reading a lot about some of the other work that you do internationally as well. You, you know, Zero Project Conference is not the only event on the calendar, right? Yeah, you're you're right. So, um, the um, the the other Zero Project conferences uh, that uh, uh, I would like to mention, which will happen this year, uh, the next one in the Zero Project calendar, and I'm coming to others as well. Uh, is uh, is in Latin America. So early May, there's the Zero Project Latin America conference in in Latin America. Uh, in September, there's the Zero, next Zero Project India conference in Delhi, together with our friends and colleagues from uh, organized with uh, Use for Jobs. And in December, um, early December, uh, we have now signed an MOU with SG Enable from Singapore. So there will also be a Zero Project SG Enable forum uh, in um, in uh, Singapore. And apart from that, uh, we also try to uh, substantially support uh, the the uh, access of the Africa Inclusion Africa Conference in May in, in Kenya. Uh, there's the Conference of State Parties where we'll be very present again as every year this year. Uh, and there's AIM Enabling in, in Washington. So these are the, the ones that I would consider uh, major events in this, uh, in this year. And of course, the whole thing is streamed online as well. So people can contribute and take part from their home if they wish to. Not everyone can make it to Vienna, obviously. We'll be covering it as much as we can uh, here. Yeah, but thank you for obviously, that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're so pleased that you invited us because it's such a wonderful opportunity to, to share the word. And I think, again, that point about international, we focus so much on, especially in our case, technology from the US and the UK and other countries. It would be so nice to focus on some other countries in the world that are actually doing great work and, and, and shining a spotlight on that is, is what we are here to do. Uh, tell people how they can get involved and uh, how they can watch and how they can find out more about the conference and the project itself. Um, yeah, so uh, as you mentioned already, uh, the whole conference is live streamed. 
so almost all of the sessions you can also also watch uh, online live. Uh, we also record this, and uh, uh, you can watch this then on on YouTube. Uh, and the, the advantage of watching this on YouTube, uh, I think it's it's online an, an hour later, is that you can also use this auto uh, translation tool of YouTube. No? So you can have already the transcripts or the captions in I think more than ninety ninety languages. Uh, is there uh, one and a half hour, one hour later after, um, after after it's it's live. Um, so this is for everyone who cannot come uh, to Vienna. Uh, in Vienna itself, we're using a lot of, uh, of 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 technology and measures. So we have a whole team who takes care of accessibility, so that they really try to be as as, as inclusive and accessible um, as it as it can be. Uh, what what we're really pushing for is uh, again technology. Uh, so we have a really excellent uh, conference platform. So for those maybe a thousand plus people that will be with us in Vienna, there are completely new opportunities to to, to arrange meetings, uh, to ask for um, uh, support, to ask for assistance, uh, to ask our team and get in touch with our team if if if, if people need support. Um, so there's a lot more uh, that we let's say every year we try to add some some accessibility measures. Uh, what we also do, especially because this this um, psychosocial disabilities get more in the focus and also in the focus of our conference uh, every year, we we for the first time we 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 offer the a quiet room, uh, so also more areas to to retreat and uh, get away from the conference bus. So just yeah. to showcase, we try to be as as accessible and inclusive um, um, yeah, yeah, as we can be. On the other hand, we always know this is a journey, and uh, uh, and we we. Yeah, try to be on top of the curve, but it's a it's 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 a journey. You're obviously finding out about lots of different um, technologies and services and people who are doing amazing things in the disability community. How do you find the next one? How does someone say, for example, watching or listening to this, say to themselves, "Hey, I've got a great idea for a product or something I've developed, yeah. and it's not really getting the spotlight that maybe that person thinks it deserves." How do they get it in front of you? How could they become the next Zero Project Award nominee? Yeah, so this this listen of yours, this is exactly the, the person that we're looking for. So these people that are not connected with us so far, um, there is an, a really easy way to connect with us. Uh, and uh, we will, after having the conference at a little cool down period, the next call for nomination opens up uh, beginning of May. Uh, where we this year are searching for innovations in the area of employment, which includes vocation training and uh, and other elements of um, of of of, in, of information uh, transformation and IT, as mentioned every year. So if you as a listener have an a, an outstanding uh, solution, meaning a service, a product, a project, a program, uh, go to zeroproject.org uh, and check out our, our nomination criteria. Uh, we're quite proud that uh, I would say half of the ones that we give an award to out of the 75 have are, are, are uh, innovations and projects that are really worked locally that didn't get a limelight so far uh, and that we really um, uh, put on a, on, a, on, a, on a stage. It's only really these three criteria, impact, innovation, and scalability, and it's uh, the community of people with disabilities who judge them in, 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 in several stages. These are the only thing, and if if this works, you can be, uh, you can get the limelight of the next year budget conference. Brilliant! Looking forward to the conference as always, Michael Fembeck. Thank you so much for being with us on Double Tap. Thank you, Stephen. Pleasure as always. 
And so we get ready to travel, Sean Priest, for uh, getting ourselves back. Have you packed yet? Oh, uh, no, absolutely not. No. And <sighs> uh, that's always exciting. Last time I took chargers, cables, all my stuff, all the gadgets, and absolutely no clothes. So I'm going to make sure this time I do take some pants with me. Yes, well, that would be helpful. You You're find some first. I know you've been uh, struggling. <laughs> I know I, I, I too. I don't know what is going on. I think the same person who takes the left or right sock, but never both, is taking the underwear. Yes. Um, also poking holes in it as well, which I don't appreciate. But then let's move on. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, Zero Project conference coverage coming up uh, oh, from tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I know. What an image. Uh, but no, it's it's like we were saying earlier, though. It's that challenge of making sure, you, you know, to take everything you need and, and, you know, get everything packed and know what to put in the case versus put on the hold and the... Oh, oh goodness me. Just... And the Braille display through airport security. That's going to be fun. What is that? I've never seen anything like that in my life. Yes, that's always trying to explain what a Braille display is to everyone. That's good. I mean, I'm kind of hoping because it's a Mantis, it's got a regular keyboard it might be less of an issue but it's the it's the little blinking dots that make them nervous <laughs> at the airport um It'll i've heard fine. this a lot the amount of people who I, I was actually a friend of mine who was uh he's a reporter for for news and he was actually uh told he couldn't go into a court because they didn't know what the device was his braille display stopped him from getting into the court building really it's so interesting to do his job though right yeah yeah and you can sort of understand it if someone's coming in with a strange device and they say ah well this is just for i don't know yeah, recording exactly. or something know. is that well how do i know that mm. yeah that's going to be a, an interesting experience. So, uh, yeah, we're going to, uh, of course, bring you all the very latest from Zero Project Conference. Some really interesting tech. You didn't get to go last year. No, you left which, me behind. Um, yeah, no, I know. No, no, I think, I think to be fair, you no. left yourself behind by injuring yourself. <laughs> yes, I couldn't go. You were benched by yourself. <laughs> but again, I am really excited to go to uh, just to speak to so many different people from different places. It's getting out of your bubble, right? There's so many times where you you talk to the same companies, and there's so many different people, so many different startups, so many different projects out there from all over the world. It is a really good conversation. Yeah. And of course, Axcom will keep an eye on that as well. Lots of interesting stuff going on uh, there. The subject of web accessibility coming up. Um, DQ Systems, I mentioned earlier, they are in the news this week, uh, an ongoing court case which has just emerged. Um, so we're going to uh, dig into that story a little bit in the coming days. Uh, also coming up, of course, this week uh, on YouTube, you will be able to catch up with Michael Fenbeck in person. You can uh, watch him as he tells us more about the Zero Project Conference. We'll have interviews as well through the week from uh, the event and uh, I think Sean you know we need to maybe bring some culture that's what I think this is all about I think we're bringing about culture <laughs> have you forgot who we show. are oh to the show oh, oh sorry well not, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's not going to work <laughs> but we're going to try our best because look I know we've been told we're supposed to when we go to Vienna you're supposed to eat things like schnitzel and you yes. have nice coffees and cafes and such like mm -hmm. uh, I have been informed by uh, none other than and, and Grace, by the way, because um, oh. Grace Grace Scofield, I've learned, is a bit of a coffee connoisseur. What I mean by that is she drinks a lot of coffee. And um, you don't say, really care what it is. You say just, connoisseur, I say addict. But yes, okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah tomato, tomato, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, yeah, she likes her coffee. I love KFC, and apparently there's going to be a KFC across from the, the Starbucks. So we're, we're basically covered for our well, conveniences. From what I understand, our hour and a half walk to the UN building is simply because the hotel that was chosen is opposite a KFC and a Burger King. 
And for, incredibly cheap. For a, for a certain person's needs. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> I, ha- I had no say in this. I had no say in this, but I will not deny I was extremely pleased to learn that it was going to be so close. Ah, it's to, gonna be fun. Uh, the, to the KFC. Yeah, it's exactly. If it's where I remember it to be from last time, it's fun. Because, uh, you know, it's just it's like any other city. It's so funny. I mean, Vienna, beautiful place. The bit we're in looks like anywhere else in the world. <laughs> walking well, the cultured th- bit that we're not anywhere near. I think that's appropriate for us. We're walking across the town at 3 a.m. looking for food, like we were in Canada. Well, pretty much like we were everywhere we've ever been. Excuse me, I will be finding the local. <laughs> Equivalent of Uber Eats, and I'll be uh, oh. getting it ordered, delivered to the room. Are you kidding? I'm not venturing outside. It's across the road. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like a million miles away in Blind World. Uh, listen, uh, we're back tomorrow from Vienna. Join us for our coverage of Zero Project Conference as it gets underway. Sean, we better go. We've got a flight to catch. Let's go. Catch you next time. Thank you. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.